if there's any kind of conflict. I mean, this has saved many relationships, both, you know, with family and friends or whatever. If there's conflict, my question to myself in those moments is what would love look like here? What would love look like here? And then I do that. Mm -hmm. That's it. And then, you know, then it's done. Like we, we work through whatever it is that we need to work through, but instead of hanging on to the stuff and being upset or angry or hurt or all of the things, the best way to resolve, resolve conflict, especially, you know, if it's within boundaries, obviously, look, there's some that can't be resolved and I recognize that. But if it's just a simple little thing, what would love look like here? And that's how I resolve it. So, I mean, that question could be used in so many different ways. What would support look like here? Asking someone else, asking myself, what would love look Mm -hmm. like here? Fierce Lab is a podcast series for women. It's powered by the Tara Wilson Agency, the agency that gets women. It's a space to focus on our whole selves, from mental health to career development to financial intelligence. To be fierce is to be confident, capable, and strong. Fierce Lab offers inspiration, tools, and community. It's where we can explore new ideas and encourage discovery. Here, trying something new is celebrated. No one has it all figured out, but together, we can step fiercely into what's next. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fierce Lab. I am Tara Wilson, your host, and today I'm joined by Jen Kronberger. She is a leadership and culture speaker and consultant and human performance leadership professional. Welcome to the podcast, Jen. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me, Tara. Good to see you. I love that I got to meet you this past summer when we were both collectively working with Samsung. Samsung brought you in to work with their field sales team on some leadership and culture skills. And I had the privilege of hearing you speak and was just blown away by the work that you're doing. And so I appreciate this opportunity to connect with you today one-on-one and talk about what it looks like to be a leader today. Excellent. Well, I'm so glad to have met you. You are fierce. If, if, oh. <laughs> if I can. Thanks. Uh, but yeah. I, I do try and embody that word on from Good. time to time. <laughs> I see it. I see it in you. Oh. You, uh, well, you got things done. It, I'll tell you, you, you ran a great show. So thank you. Oh, that. well, thank you. Thanks. Always I, I, that. I appreciate that so much. Let's talk about leadership. You know, one of the things that we mention here at Fierce Lab is that you don't have to be a people leader in order to be a leader. So for you, what's the definition of leadership and what does that look like as you're talking with your clients and and women specifically in your community? Well, I think leadership, this word's been thrown around so much, right? It's kind of one of those things that you hear pop up everywhere. And to me, I think leadership is so much more than a title. It's more than a role. Leadership, being a leader is a behavior. Leadership is behavior. Mm. That's how I see it. I see our ability to make those choices, to use certain actions or words or just the way we show up, the different behaviors that we can bring to the table to connect with other people, to listen, 
to pull the best out of someone else. Mm -hmm. I don't consider myself a leader unless I have followers, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think part of that too is it's, again, it's, you know, it's not your title, it's what you do, it's who you are, and it's how you do it. So really, it's those behaviors to me. Well, and I liked what you said about pulling out the best in others is a big component of leadership. And you can do that whether you are a people leader or not, building others up, empowering them, encouraging them to be their their best certainly does it. I know that you have a framework, a five-step framework that you lay out for leadership and you call that brave. I'd love to dig into what that looks like. And and the reason I'm starting with leadership is the Fierce Lab podcast is for that entry to mid-level career woman. And when we're entry to mid-level, we may still be defining who we are, how we're engaging with our teams, whether we lead them as a people leader or not. And so Today, I really want to talk about how we can show up and be better leaders. And I love this framework of Brave. Will you walk me through it? Sure. We, over the past, gosh, it's been six, seven years now, we've been studying and researching and really digging into what makes a culture work. And Mm. part of that was having leaders who can sustain it. So we said, okay, Mm -hmm. well, let's start to dive into what makes that leader who can sustain that culture. And we came up with these five components and we've called it brave human leadership. And that's kind of what we focus on. Brave stands for belonging, resilience, authenticity, vulnerability, and empathy. I've spent you know, a lot of time, my background is in sports and human performance psychology. That's actually what I received my master's degree in. And I had worked with professional athletes and little kids and everything in between and then started to shift over to corporate CEOs and entry level and everything in between. And I started to realize it was all the same stuff. It was about how we show up every day. You know, it's how we bring these aspects and these components to, to those that we surround ourselves with. How can we mm-hmm. do that and how can we do it better? So that's what we've kind of built. We do a lot through that space where, you know, we, we do workshops, we have an assessment, a brave index where you can kind of measure where you start and, and, you know, once you get through some of the work, where you end up, um, mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. building, all kinds of stuff. Because leadership is not a one and done. Leadership is a sense of working on yourself daily and weekly to show up and be your best self. I love that the first piece of that is in belonging. I'd love to dig in a little bit deeper and talk about what does that look like, especially in the work environment today? What does it look like to belong? So I, it's funny, I've had a bunch of different clients that I've worked with in this space and one being a, a hospital system. And what I did is I, we were looking at how can we just back all of this conversation up and just start defining these things? So what does it mean? What does diversity mean? What does equity mean? What does inclusion mean? We went through this whole thing. And what I found was belonging was such an, it was such a more difficult, I guess, explanation or understanding of what that really is. Because, you know, diversity is a simple, that's a check the box. That's a simple head count, right? Mm -hmm. 
But when we start to get into, you know, the feelings of what these things bring, now it's a lot harder to measure. So Mm. when I sat with that, I thought, you know, I've heard different pieces and maybe examples of of this. So I kind of wrote my own and I Mm -hmm. this diversity is being invited into the room. Equity is having the same level of access to the room as everyone else. Mm -hmm. Inclusion is having a seat at the table in the room. But belonging is having a voice that, and you're not afraid to use it, but it's mm. all listened to and valued by others who sit at that very table with you. That's a big piece. That <laughs> so is powerful. It's that you have a voice. You're not afraid to use your voice, but it's also that you're listened to and valued by others who are sitting at the table with you. So I think belonging is to me the most it's the hardest place to get to, but I think it's the most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with everything that's happened in the last three years, belonging starts to look very different in the workplace. And I know that you've said that we have to recognize that we as leaders as corporate leaders have created these environments that we're ne- now asking women to work within. And I want to kind of talk through that because I know when we were prepping for this call, that was one of our discussion points is that we're asking women to come back into these work environments that we created. But these work environments aren't always environments that women feel a sense of belonging. Can we talk a little about that? Absolutely. So, you know, I think one of the things that came up after we talked about that was I was thinking back even. So I think this comes in a couple different components, right? I think the first one is let's look at the facts around women in the workplace. So even going to the simple fact that disparity is still happening as far as, you know, pay, as far Mm -hmm. as equal equity in the workplace, as far as, you know, different rights. And it's fascinating to me that we can still look at, and I think it's March 15th, if I'm correct, is the equal pay day, right? So Mm -hmm. is it would take a woman a whole year plus into March 15th to make the mm-hmm. equivalent of what the average man makes in that past year. Yeah. We're not even there and yet. A white woman. A white specifically. woman. Specifically. Yes, let's, yeah. let's call that out, please. Thank mm-hmm. you. A white woman. So <laughs> it's interesting that we have, I mean, that's in place. We, that's, that's a construct that we've built over time. And it's one that we really have to continue to talk about and continue to look at ways of, of changing that. So hmm. beyond that, though, I think, again, now we get into the, you know, the feeling of, do I belong here? Am I talked mm-hmm. over? Do I have a voice in meetings? I think it's really important that we ask women. You know, a lot of times these decisions are made and answers given and all of these things. But if we're not making sure that women are sitting at all of the tables where decisions are being made, then we mm-hmm. have a problem, right? And then the second piece to that is making sure that women, you know, that we're we're stepping up and we have each other's backs, that we're yes. using our voices, but we're supporting, it's women supporting other women. You know, mm-hmm. I think we can be in those rooms where, you know, we're seeing someone maybe be talked over. We, we, I don't care what title or role you have in that room, mm-hmm have an obligation to each other to say, hey, 
you know what, can we go back to what Tara was saying? Because I'd really mm -hmm. like to hear, sounded like, you know, you might have had a really great idea, Tara. Mm. We can boost mm. each other up in these rooms and, and yeah. we we'll do it more often to make sure we're not in, we're on the same team. Yeah. So if you see something, say something. And Jen, you said it so much better. I find sometimes I'm in meetings and I'm seeing someone talk over another woman. I don't say it quite as eloquently as you just did. I'm usually like, let her finish. Right. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, so I'd yeah. like to go back to what Jen said instead of let her finish. <laughs> yeah. But well, you're right. It's it's a way that we can use that common language with each other that, you know, mm -hmm. we're, not we're not saying, hey, you're doing it wrong. Nobody wants to hear that. Right. So we're saying, hey, you know what? Can we go back? Because the more you call that out, I think the more people start to recognize like, oh, yeah, I, I'm so sorry that I interrupted. I'm so mm -hmm. sorry for talking over you. We have to get good at that. We have to be able to call that out and say, hey, wait a minute. She didn't get a chance yeah. to talk, right? And mm -hmm. so how can we do this better? We have to be able to speak up and have each other's backs. I think right. that's cool. And that is one way that we can start to create spaces of belonging for women. And, and you're right making sure that every table has at least a woman at the seat at the table is is so critical and important well to that to that i just want to mention this because it's something i think about all the time you know it's like we're, we'll settle for one <laughs> i think back to what ruth bader ginsburg said you know until they're all women right and so like well why well they were all men so why why should we not expect the same thing but we, yes we don't expect that we don't expect right. that we're going to have every seat in the in the room. We just want one. Right. <laughs> Maybe we right. can we can start to expand that and say, no, you know what? Why why aren't there all women in leadership right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There were all men, right? So There's again, it's it's breaking down those barriers of this is how we've always done it. And bias. I know you know. There's a lot of bias toward how things have been done historically and hanging on to what we deem to be the way it should be done. I was speaking with some women on Saturday and and we were discussing bias in the workplace and it gets back to this conversation of speaking up and recognizing it in yourself because you can hold bias consciously or unconsciously. But when it becomes conscious, being willing to call your own self out and start to make corrections on that, it's, it's so important. I agree. And I think one of the, one of the ways to do so is, you know, I always say this, nothing changes until behaviors change, right? Yes. So, what are the actionable steps that women can take to change these behaviors? Well, first Please, of all, tell women, me. <laughs> talking about women's behaviors, let's stop apologizing. Mm -hmm. We are very quick to say, I'm sorry. Look, unless you physically slammed a door in someone's face <laughs> or, you know, there's a reason for you to say, hey, you know what? I'm really sorry about that. Let's stop being sorry. We say sorry a lot when we really, mm -hmm. there's no reason for us to say it. Another thing that we can do in other behaviors to build these allyships, right? To build support systems where, you know, we're, again, like we just talked about, we're speaking up when we see someone else being pushed down. But mm -hmm. importantly, I want to talk about what can men do? What can men, what behaviors can men change to yes. support this, right? I know we, we often talk about what a woman can do and 
put it on us, but I think we need to be inviting men into these conversations so they can be listening, so they Correct. can understand what it is that we need and what we want. Because as women, we're not really good at asking for that. We mm-hmm. have to ask for what we want and what we need. Mm-hmm. So I think those are some things that we really need to get good at. But you know, we have to find ways to break down these barriers, you know, the, these things that we've been talking about that are structurally and systemically built over time. How can we question it? It's kind of like, again, like we were talking about, it might not be the best way. So mm-hmm. there's the story that, that I find really fascinating, and I think it speaks to this. And it's a story of a family who, it was holidays and they were cooking ham, and it was their their big ham dinner. And they had just put it in the oven and it was being prepped. And there was a a recipe that they followed. And the son asked his mom and he said, Hey, I just noticed that you cut the ends off the ham before you put them in. She said, yeah, yeah. It's here in the recipe. Grandma always did it like that. And it comes out great. Awesome. So they had an opportunity to see grandma later and, and said, Hey, you know what? I'm just curious. Mom always said, mom said that you always cut the ends off the ham. It's in the recipe. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom did that. It's been handed down for generations. Well, let's ask great-grandma, why did you cut the, the ends off the ham? Why is that part of the recipe? Like, what does that do? And she looked at him and said, well, <laughs> our pans were smaller then. <laughs> yeah. That's it, right? So it's the old ham story. It's, yeah. are we cutting the ends off when we don't need to? I mean, that's the best part, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're doing that. But we are. We're doing that because we're not curious. We're not in that space where we can say, hey, wait a minute, let's ask some questions here. Is this the best way? Are we doing things mm. in ways that support us today? Or are we just doing it because that's how we've always done it? Mm-hmm. We need to question and we need to get curious. And I think we we need to focus there. I think that's a really great point. And I was speaking with a client last week. And he was sharing about some women on his team that he has sponsored and mentored. And one that he has championed, he said, one of the great things about her is that she always asks why. And, you know, at first, if I'm thinking about someone that's always asking why, my mind was like, ooh, I might feel challenged. But he went on to say that because she was always curious and always asking, why are we doing this? Why has this been assigned to me? She always wanted to know the why behind whatever it was that they were discussing. It challenged him to be a better leader, to know that she was going to come. And so he wanted to make sure he had his facts straight and his reasonings laid out. And then he went on to share like, how she really kind of promoted the entire team's sense of curiosity. And they became really good at asking why. And I just thought that was really something powerful. Yes, because I think sometimes women are taught to go along to get along. I've used that expression before on the podcast. I've said it about my own self, as a matter of fact. But if we can learn to say why, Tell me, tell me the reasons behind that. It, it could just be as simple as, well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, how about if we try a new approach? Yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, it's like, it, that's fine. But I think being able to answer the why and honestly, right, like you mm-hmm. said, if that's the answer, 
then why don't we maybe take a second and get curious about, is it that maybe it is still the best way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also liked this step. So you said nothing changes until behavior changes and you were giving some actionable steps that women could take to stop apologizing, but the build allyship, build support that got me thinking about sponsorship and mentorship. Women I have historically seen are really good at seeking out mentorship, but we also need to make this distinction that sponsorship is just as critical and it's very different and The distinction is powerful. Mentorship is about someone being there to guide you, to show you the way, to give you access to new thought. Sponsorship is about someone opening doors for you, putting your name on a list when when your name wouldn't normally be there, getting you in rooms that you wouldn't normally. One woman described it as, it's what's being said about me when I'm not in the room. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I love that so much. I think, you know, again, going on that list, I think that's something that we can all do better, right? Let's raise each other up and cheer for each other and mention names of people who could be valuable in certain situations instead of worrying about, you know, competition or, you know, I see that a lot, obviously, in our industry, you know, there's there's a ton of speakers out there. I will tell you, though, I know a whole bunch who are really fantastic and in a heartbeat will recommend anyone Mm -hmm. that I know or for a certain situation if, if it's not, you know, for me. I believe in that. And I think, you know what, there's enough to go around. The, the lack mentality doesn't serve us. Mm -hmm. That idea of, you know, there's not enough. It doesn't serve. And so at this point, we really need to focus on, yes, how can we make sure that we are cheering for other women, that we are lifting them up and suggesting them and and going back to, hey, let me hear what, what she has to say, mm-hmm. uh, that we can do that every single day. And bringing women along. A woman that's part of our Fierce Lab community recently said to me, she said, I feel like you're in some ways sponsoring me. You're pulling me into rooms that I wouldn't normally walk into and I'm uncomfortable, but in a good way. And it got me thinking about someone once asked me, how did I know I was a leader? And before I could answer how I knew I was a leader, I said, I realized that early on in my career, I was getting leadership and popularity confused. And leadership isn't about being popular. And for me, when I'm bringing other women along, it isn't necessarily the most visible women that I'm pulling along. It isn't the one that's always getting tapped for all the activities and the responsibilities. I like to think I do a good job at seeing what's great about a lot of women and tapping into that and inviting them to nurture it and bring it out. Um, I love that. that. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're trying to figure that stuff out, I think it goes back to who am I as a human being? I always start there. Everything I talk about, it's got to go back to self. I think what happens often, you know, if you ask a woman and I, and I do this often in, in some of my work, if I ask the simple question, who are you? Oftentimes I will get an answer that includes a long list of roles mm-hmm. that I play for everyone else, right? I'm a mom, I'm a sister, I'm an 
IT director, I'm a nurse, I'm a brother, I'm a, you know, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And then my next question always is, that's great, but is that who you are or is that what you are? And then I get the, oh, okay. And then my next question is, if I, or if, if we could remove everyone from your life, who are you now? Because the way we answer that is who is who I am according to everyone else, right? Who I am are the roles I play for everyone else, but I remove everyone from my life. Now, who am I? And we have a really hard time answering that often. Yeah. So I said, you know, I think the way to answer that question is by asking, what are my personal non-negotiables? Meaning, what are the things that I don't compromise for anyone? What are my values, my ethics, my beliefs? What are those things? What are those boundaries that I draw that line in the sand and it does not get crossed? I don't care who you are. Mm. And for me, I call this the light principle. Mine are love, integrity, gratitude, honor, and truth. Mm. That's me. Sometimes I trade honor for humor. <laughs> it depends <laughs> on the day. If I'm not laughing. I'm not doing it. So uh, that's part of who I am. But mm -hmm. those are those are the things I don't compromise. Mm -hmm. And people know that. Like this is it. These, these are my this is my line in the sand. I don't I don't you know. It's non negotiable for me. Mm -hmm. And so when we can get really clear on what those things are for ourselves. Now I feel like we can really tap into other people and pull those those things out to figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. That's how if we really want to lead effectively, we have to be able to connect at that space. Mm. Now you're you're figuring out what drives people. Why do they show up every day? What is it that they hold as that value that they're not going to compromise? And how can I help them mm -hmm. get more? We all win that way, right? So yeah. that's that's the goal. To me, that's the goal. That's a very powerful goal to be able to recognize who a person is at their core light principles. I love that definition that a person holds for themselves. And as you're sharing this, I'm thinking, wow, I can see why corporations need this work because we can get very caught up in doing the day-to-day -day tasks and delivering, making sure that we hit the numbers and so on and so forth. And we really lose sight of who our people are and what they need. And I think that's been a, a great blessing that's come out of the last three years is people are more willing to have these conversations. But I think what's important is the the idea. And like you said, you know, so many companies are just focused on the numbers. Look, the numbers are important. You need to stay in business. Yeah. I get that. However, the people mm -hmm. <laughs> are what make the numbers. Right. So in my, you know, <laughs> in my estimation, if you don't have the people, you don't have the numbers. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, when you, if you look at it in perspective, look, your people are always going to be your greatest asset. Always. I don't care what widget you make, what service you, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Your people will always be your greatest asset. So when you take care of them at the heart level, they're going to take care of the rest. It's like that process versus outcome thing, right? It's like, if you're only focused on the outcome, well, then you're, you're probably not going to get the there. Wrong focus. <laughs> yeah. The outcome takes care of itself, always. So as you're talking about sense of self, I'm thinking about 
self-actualization. And I know when we were prepping for this call, you brought up Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I was like, ooh, I really like this concept. As an entrepreneur, I'm familiar with it. I don't know how many of our listeners may or may not be. So at a high level, would you mind, Jen, just kind of talking about the hierarchy of needs and, and how that plays into this conversation? Sure. So, you know, when we think about Maslow made this, this triangle. Now, a lot of people will talk about it. And I think what's come out of this is it's not maybe always in this order or Mm -hmm. the basic argument that I think Maslow is making with this pyramid is that these things have to exist for a fulfilling life, right? So uh, all the studies and all the research, you know, some people, well, it's not really linear and that's okay. But the point is, I think in this triangle, you know, there were these different levels and the bottom level was the physiological needs like food and water Mm -hmm. right and that second was one is safety like security stability think about these last three years Mm -hmm. we were clawing just to have those those two right like that that's where our focus was we weren't even worried about (laughs) self-actualization like that that's like far beyond where we were these last few years it was like Am I safe? Do I have food and water? Am I safe? And can I be stable through this event? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so we were really focused on those first two things. But at the middle, which is no surprise to me, that next space is love and belonging. Right. Yep. These are your, your relationships. This is feeling accepted. And then that leads to esteem and confidence, respect, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, we that makes us feel our best. And then the top of that is that self-actualization you, you talked about, actually reaching your true potential. Mm-hmm. What is what does that look like? Do we even know, right? Mm-hmm. So I see that as, you know, I go back to that a lot just to understand, I think, the process in which we show up, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're somewhere in that space. And again, thinking, you know, maybe it's not linear. Maybe you bounce around. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, day I'm feeling really good and and my self-esteem is high and all of that, but you know, maybe some other things are lacking. Mm-hmm. I think it it all kind of connects. Mm-hmm. And it's powerful. And I think you hit the nail on the head that there are days where we're going to it'll be a stacked model. And then other days where we we've got a whole entire section missing and that's normal. But to feel like you have those base needs met and that sense of security and you have that sense of belonging is so important and for us to finally get to that self-actualization. Well, one thing I tell I tell leaders all the time, you know, that idea of belonging and love being in that it's actually a human need. Like your your people aren't just complaining. They're not whining. <laughs> right. You know, because they want to feel like they're accepted. No, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is a human need. This is something that we all need. So why not focus on it? If it's something that, you know, every single one of us can benefit from, if it brings the outcomes that we're looking for, mm-hmm. that's the right thing to do. That, and it's good for that real human need reminds me of a book that I just recently read. Uh, I mean, it may butcher the title, but it's like the, the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. It's from the guys that wrote the five love languages in relationships. But it's it's meant to call out that people have different ways in which they want to be noted for and appreciated within their workplace. And that we have to if we want to be an effective leader, look at all the different ways and not just 
focus on how I want to be appreciated and therefore that's how I give appreciation. But that's something most of us do. If we don't want to be appreciated with, say, words of affirmation, it may be hard for us to give words of affirmation to someone in our org that that needs that. Yeah. And knowing that I think is key, right? We know how to move our people. I think uh, I think back to the UCLA coach back in the day, John Wooden. Mm-hmm. He had that also his path to success. I will say, and as a coach for many years, I, I studied those really great ones. How did they do that? And one of the things I found is that he knew his team. He knew his his players inside and out, meaning he knew this one needs a little kick in the butt. Mm. This one needs a, uh, an arm around his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And he knew exactly which one needed what, what, what their actual needs were to get the best out of them. Mm-hmm. That piece we can do as leaders, mm-hmm. get to know what are their need, what do they need? How do they need to be inspired? And I use inspire, not motivated, because I feel like I, I can't tell you how many people have asked me, hey, can you come motivate my team? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, not my role. And it's mm-hmm. <laughs> not what we do, right? Yeah. We can inspire them to find that motivation for themselves. Yeah. And I would say to any woman listening who's like, hey, but yeah, my boss, my manager, my leader doesn't ask those questions and doesn't identify with the way in which I want to be appreciated. I would say take an opportunity to share that back with your manager. And if you're getting tough love and that doesn't work for you and you need something different, Take them aside and and share that. It's okay to say, this is what motivates me. This is how I respond best. Because at the end of the day, I do believe the best in people, that people do want to see you succeed. They want to connect with you on that that human level. They want to feel as if they belong and, and that they're part of your tribe as well. So let's talk about the the authenticity and the vulnerability piece of being brave. What do those two look like when it comes to leadership, Jen? So I think authenticity is, you know, and I tell leaders this a lot, become a really good storyteller Mm. of your own story. Share who you are. Don't be afraid to do that. And I think as people get to know you, I think there's a different level of connection and a different level of understanding. And it does take vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. I think so so often we're, we're raised believing vulnerability is weakness. And, and, you know, that comes up in conversation a lot when we talk about that. My gosh, I've been talking about vulnerability. I used to joke about this. I've been talking about love and vulnerability and all these things in the workplace since before it was cool to talk about that. Right. (laughs) And, And I remember one of the very first calls I got was from someone who was like, you know, we don't want anything too touchy feely, uh-huh. right? <laughs> like, okay. She said, our people aren't really like that. And it, it made me think, you know, like these are the things that we're making assumptions around. Mm. We're saying like, oh, we have, it was a bunch of accountants. So they don't do feelings. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> no, that's incorrect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, they're human, right? You don't have a bunch of robots working for you, correct? Because that's a whole nother conversation. But I think, I don't know, punchline, <laughs> humans are touchy-feely. Right. And I think understanding that when we show up as a leader in that space to say, hey, you know what? This is who I am. Here's my story. 
you give others the permission to do the same. Yes. Yeah. You do. You, you give them that space. You know, we talk a lot about psychological safety, right? Amy Edmondson. And, you know, the research that she's done on psychological safety and really understanding, you know, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't mean just that, again, going back to, you know, that I can use my voice or I can ask a question or I can make maybe a, a suggestion. It means that I can do those things without fear of retaliation or humiliation. Mm-hmm. Think about that, right? It's like, how many times have we ever held back? Because we're like, oh, I don't want to say that out loud. Right. I'm afraid I'm going to be laughed at or. They're going to judge me. They're going to judge me. Mm -hmm. They're going to judge me. And so, you know, I think what's so fascinating about, I think many of us are quick to say, oh, I don't judge. You lie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Here's why. Here's why I say that. And, And maybe you don't judge others. But I'll tell you, I guarantee you, you judge yourself. Mm -hmm. I guarantee it. And so, you know, that's just as important. There's a, we could go for hours on that. But I think that authenticity of really knowing who I am and then sharing that Mm -hmm. and the vulnerability of, of not being afraid to do so. And I think being able to connect, not being afraid to connect Mm -hmm. and to just allow the good, the bad, and the ugly to be seen. Yeah. You know, I talk about that, that word Zulu greeting, sawubona, and it means I see you. Mm. And the answer is because you see me, I exist. Powerful stuff. Wow. Okay. Say it again. Yeah. I want to catch it. The word is sawubona. Okay. It's, and I have it written on my arm. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's S-A-W-U-B-O-N-A, sawubona. And it, it literally means I see you. Imagine if we walked around and said that as a greeting, we'd probably be arrested. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But the truth is, that's sad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We walk around talking about, oh, it's beautiful out. Is it raining out there yet? Is it cold? I mean, Mm -hmm. we do it all the time, right? That's all we do. Mm -hmm. And we stay on this, this surface level of, you know, when we ask people, how are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm good. It's Monday. Mm Instead of, you know, hey, how are you doing really? Yeah. How's your daughter? Is she okay? You know, I knew you were having some stuff going on. What's going on? Can I support you? I, I love the question, what would support look like here? Ooh, what that's a good like? one. Yeah. And we can ask each other that. Mm. Uh, because again, going back to what you were just saying, support for me looks completely different than support for you, right? So I usually will support someone else the way that I like to be supported. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't always work for them. You know, support for you might just be, hey, just pick up the phone and check in. Yeah. Support for me might be like, hey, you need to come see me. Mm-hmm. You know, two totally different things. But we can't, we make those assumptions, I think, because we fill in, you know, we don't know the answers. We always fill in a story. Mm. But authenticity and vulnerability are about being able to share yours. Yeah. What would support look like here? I often find myself saying, how can I help you? What would help you in this situation? But I really like that. What would support look like here? Because support implies I'm in the background. This isn't about me. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. We're taking ourselves out of it. It's kind of like, you know, we talk about empathy and we talk about, and I bring this up a lot because, you know, I lost my mom in 2013. And I remember it was, I had my friends rallied around me and they were wonderful. Mm -hmm. 
But I remember most often I heard things like, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. What can I do? If I can do anything, please let me know. Reach out. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm not really great at asking for nope. help. Especially not while I'm in the middle of grief, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, okay, I won't do that. <laughs> but thank you. Um, that was kind. But we think we're doing a, a, a big service to our friends by offering that. What we're really doing, though, is we're putting the onus on them, right? Mm-hmm. We're saying, you come to me when you need something. Yeah. And it's we're also saying, hey, I'm going to be real quick to try to fix it because grief is uncomfortable. Yes. So what can I do to fix it, right? Well, there's no fixing. You can't bring my mom back. So a friend of mine lost her mom a couple of years after. And I remember I said to her, I know there are no words. Mm. I know that but I'll sit in it with you for as long as it takes. Wow. And we talk about that a lot as being my friends, we call ourselves professional fire sitters. Okay. (laughs) And we do that with each other. Like I'll sit in it with you. I'm in the fire with you. I don't need to fix it. I don't need to try to come up with solutions. It's not the time for that. And, you know, I think I heard this. I don't know if you're familiar with the book, the invitation. Mm, No, tell me more. Uh, it's uh, Araya Mountain Dreamer is her name. <laughs> okay. And uh, many, many years ago, I read this, gosh, I was in my 20s. And this is where I first heard this and really became kind of enthralled by it. I was kind of like, wait a minute. <laughs> There's a line, this one line that made me take a really deep breath. And I'm, I'm going to give it to you right now. It doesn't interest me who you know or how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. Mm. And I was like, it literally kind of made me take a deep breath the first time I read Mm -hmm. that. And I remember thinking like, will you stand in the center of the fire with me? Yeah. How many people would do that? That's hard. How many people would do that? Yeah. It's hard to your, that's that vulnerability. Yes. You know? Yeah. To your point. That's saying, I'm going to come and stand in this with you. I'm going to sit in this with you, even if it's hard for mm-hmm. me. I'm going to do it because that's what we do as human beings. I'll sit that's in it we with you as long as it takes. As long as it takes, for as long as it takes. And that's yeah. a hard place to be, but it's probably the most genuine and beneficial place you can be as a friend, oh, absolutely. as a leader. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, my friend said that to me. She was like, you know, a lot of people called and a lot of people reached out. And I will tell you, I'll never forget what you said to me. She said, I think that gave me the most peace. It didn't mean I was going to go sit on Kathy's couch (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) next to her 24 seven. It just meant like, I'm in it with you for as long as you need me to be in it with you. Mm -hmm. Like I, I am deep in there. I'm standing in that fire with you. I'm so glad that you brought up grief and death. Recently, a listener reached out and said she would love to hear an episode on how women deal with grief and specifically in losing a loved one and how that translates into the workplace and the work. And I said, oh, I I love that idea. I think it's a great topic. I'll see if I can find some experts to speak to it. But I think something else that could be really powerful is bringing on several women who I know have dealt with this and just talking about how did you get through it? What helped you? What things were said to you just like this point, Jen? Because I think that's powerful. Yeah. Grief 
we all go through it at some yes. point, right? And so it's, you know, you're right. It, it's about the support. Again, goes right back to where we started with this conversation. Mm-hmm. It's about building that support system, building that connective tissue, mm-hmm. right? That's going to really be there. You know, I talk about this a lot. My partner and I talk about this and I say, you know, some days I'm rowing the boat. Mm. Sometimes you're rowing the boat. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to row the boat at the same time. Yeah. You know, have friends like that too. Have coworkers like mm-hmm. that. Find those people that you say, hey, you know what? We're going to build this and we're going to be able to sit in it with each other. And, you know, some days it's my day to just kind of sit in the fire and you're going to come stand with me or sit with me. And other days I'll come and sit with you. Mm-hmm. That's leadership. So time. <laughs> yeah, that's leadership. Being yeah, able to be leadership. there with someone in that way. And not rush to fix it, mm-hmm. right? We're human fixers. We always want to find solutions. Sometimes there aren't any. And sometimes there really, there might be, but that's not what we should be striving for in those moments. People want to be seen and they want to be listened mm. to. Validate the emotions. Grief is real. Yeah. Grief is real. We need to validate it and just be in it and say, you know, it's okay to be right here, right now. Without a rush to fix mm-hmm. it, we're okay. Well, and that leads me to the say, E in brave, empathy. Let's talk a bit about what that looks like to be an empathetic leader. Yeah, so it's it's everything we just mm-hmm. talked about, right? It's really just about, can I sit in the fire with you and not have to try to fix it immediately? Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, oh, I'm so sorry, but let's let's get past it. Like, when are you mm-hmm. done? When are you ready. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I think that's, you know, I don't know, that's, that's a really important piece to sure. that is, is being able to say, Hey, you know what? There are no words, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'll sit with you for as long as it takes, right. That I don't have to rush and fix right. it. Right. And again, for a woman listening who may not be getting that in her workplace, it's okay to say, listen, I just need you to listen to me right now. I just need to share with you what's transpiring within my team or on this project that I'm working on. I'm really looking for you to just listen and let me sound off with you or whatever it is that you need. But to be able to communicate that and ask for that from from your leaders is important. And if you know if you're not getting it and if you're not getting it from a leader, it's OK to seek it out in a peer from a mentor, someone else within your organization, because you you do need these things in your life. Yeah, absolutely. This is just a fantastic conversation, Jen. I mean, I'm I'm loving getting to to dig into all this. I know that women would get a lot of value in connecting with you. So if someone wants to connect with you, how can she go about finding you? So I am on LinkedIn. I'm on all the social media platforms. Just search my name, Jen Kronberger, C-R-O-N-E-B-E-R-G-E-R. And my website is www.teamteamjlcg.com. It's Jalen Consulting Group. So teamjlcg.com. Bunch of info on there. You can contact us through there as well. But yeah, I'd love to, to continue the conversation anytime. I mean, this is what I'm passionate about. Um, even if there's you know, a question or how do I deal with this? I mean, that's what we do. So mm. happy to, yeah. to talk at any time with anyone. 
What would support look like here? That might be the title of, of this particular podcast, Jen. It's such a, a great question. If no one if takes anything else away, take that one sentence away and imply it to your conversations with others. Real quick on yeah. that, Tara. I have morphed that a few times, actually. So that's one way that you can mm-hmm. use it. Another way that I can use it that I go to often if there's any kind of conflict I mean, this has saved many relationships, both, you know, with family and friends or whatever. If there's conflict, my question to myself in those moments is what would love look like here? What would love look like here? And then I do that. Mm -hmm. That's it. And then, you know, then it's done. Like we, we work through whatever it is that we need to work through, but instead of hanging on to the stuff and being upset or angry or hurt or all of the things, the best way to resolve, resolve conflict, especially, you know, if it's within boundaries, Mm -hmm. obviously, look, there's some that can't be resolved. And I recognize that. But if it's just a simple little thing, what would love look like here? And that's how I resolve it. So I mean, that question could be used in so many different ways. What would support look like here? Asking someone else, asking myself, what would love look Mm -hmm. like here? What would support look like for me too? I ask myself that as well. So yeah, you can use that in so many different ways. It's just such a powerful way of reframing, I think, certain situations and how we think mm-hmm. about them. And the other big takeaway for me from this is who are you? When you strip everything else away, being able to answer who you are, not what you do, but who you are is so powerful. That's a hard question to answer. It is. It is. It might make you uncomfortable to sit with that, but I challenge our listeners, if you can't answer that right off the top of your head, to spend a little time working through it, meditating on it. Yeah. Okay, before I let you go, speaking of who are you and what things mean to you, as I shared with you when we were prepping, the question that I ask all podcast guests is, I want to know what the word fierce means to you, Jen. The moment I hear the word, I think passion. I think this intense, intentional desire. I think bold, almost commanding, but in a good mm-hmm. way. You know, they always talk about like, you don't demand respect, you command mm-hmm. it. I think something fierce does that really well. It's someone who draws other people in. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said intentional. I think of you as a very intentional leader and love that you walked us through your brave framework today. So helpful to our listeners. And just again, enjoyed the opportunity to talk with you one-on-one. Thank you for being here. Always. Thank you, Tara. Thanks for having me. You're fabulous. Anytime. uh, I would do any day. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fierce Lab. If you did, I would appreciate it if you would subscribe and maybe share it with a friend. You can always follow us on Instagram at Fierce Lab.